We know Aaron Rodgers is probably playing quarterback for the Jets in 2023, but is their wide receiver room good enough? I think they need to add one more player, and I'll explain why on today's episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, this is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Wednesday, April 19th, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts for free to receive new episodes as they're posted. If you're listening to the show on a podcast source, please give it a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, please give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help Locked On Jets out and help other Jets fans find the podcast. Today we're doing our weekly mailbag. Each Wednesday we try and do a mailbag show with listener questions. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions, and I'll say something else at the beginning of the show. Today's actually my birthday, and I don't really like to make a big deal out of it, but I got reflective today, and I just wanted to say thank you to all of you out there who have made the last year so great. I've loved interacting with all of you. It was exciting when the Jets got off to a good start in 2022. Hopefully we'll have some better luck in 2023. So thank you to everybody out there who listens to this show every day. I can't tell you how much it means. All right, let's begin with a question about the Jets receiving group. How do you think this Jets wide receiver room will operate? Does Mecole Hardman become the gadget man? Does he become the replacement for Berrios and more on designed touches? Does the addition of Lazard mean the end for Mims? Or does the subtraction of more now let Mims run wild and free? Does Corey Davis justify his cap hit? Or does he make the team without taking a pay cut? Will there be any cap benefit from Davis becoming a post-June 1st cut? And are all the Hackett 2020 roles filled, or do you foresee future additions? So lots of questions there. How's this receiver room going to shake out? That's what it comes down to. And there's one guy who was not mentioned who's the best receiver on the team, Garrett Wilson. And I'll say this, for all the question marks the Jets have, for all the issues this team has, it's so good to have a go-to guy. For the first, I don't know, six, seven years of this podcast, most of the time around draft season, we're talking about the need to find a go-to guy. Now we finally got one, so we don't have to worry about that. Garrett Wilson is the is the guy on offense. In fact, I'd love to see the Jets get him some more designed touches. I think, you know, when we talk about replacing that gadget role in Barrios and more, some of those should go to Garrett Wilson because he is so he is so tough to bring down. Not necessarily that he's big, but he changes direction so effortlessly when he's got the ball in space. So I'd like to see the Jets utilize that a little bit more. I think that they could use one more receiver. Now, I, I, th- I think a lot of these... Uh, assessments are accurate. I think Hardman is essentially the guy who replaces Barrios or more for those. For, he'll take some of the other design touches. You know, I mean, you can get him the ball on the run. You can get him the ball on jet sweeps. You can get him the ball on screens. But he adds an extra dimension. He's got speed. So he's also a bit of a deep threat. He's not a great deep threat, but he can keep you honest. I think if he's like your second deep threat, you know, you're not in bad shape. So, you know, Hardman's got his role. Lazard's a guy I'm actually expecting to see in the slot quite a bit. I, I think that Lazard, you know, even though he's bigger, you know, your conventional slot receivers are more like guys like Jamison Crowder, who you may remember, or Braxton Barris, smaller guys who are quick in a short area, can change directions really quickly. You know, Garrett Wilson's another guy who I think would be great in the slot. Um, but I, I think that, you know, if you look at Nathaniel Hackett, you look at the way Green Bay's operated, you look at uh, what they've done, I think Lazard's going to see more time in the slot than you might expect. And the other thing about Lazard is he's got a reputation for being a good run blocker. And, you know, I always hate I always hate it when somebody says, well, this this wide receiver was a huge part of our run game. Because there's pretty much no offense where the wide receiver is a huge part of your run game. But he's a good run blocker. 
And I think that means you want him closer to the line of scrimmage so that he can throw, you know, he can, you can utilize those blocking skills, skills a little bit easier. So I think that's where Lazard slots in. Denzel Mims, look, I'm not expecting anything out of Denzel Mims. I think Denzel Mims, he is what he is. He's a depth receiver. He's not a bad depth receiver. I mean, he made some big catches for the Jets last year. There weren't many catches, but, you know, that big catch against Buffalo made a few plays. Look, he's got a limited route tree. He's not a great route runner. He's not. He doesn't have great hands. I mean, at some point, I think you just have to look at Denzel Mims and say, this is what he is. If you need a five or six, you know, and you can live with him not playing special teams, you can have Denzel Mims. I'm not expecting him to suddenly surprise us all this year. I think, you know, there, there are physical tools at play with Denzel Mims. But, you know, it's one of the things I've been saying the last couple of days. And, you know, you every day or who listen to this podcast on a daily basis, and we're on five days a week, you, you know what I've been saying. The last couple of years have taught me the value of guys with refined skill sets, guys who know how to play the game. You know, it's one thing to be big. It's one thing to be fast. Those things don't make you a receiver. Now, I think what happens in the draft is interesting here because outside of Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's out of Ohio State, I don't know that there's a receiver who could, who could make a difference for the Jets. Now, they add him. I think, you know, that this could be an interesting group. Um, but beyond that, th- what happens next is I don't know what exactly what comes into play here. Now, I think DeAndre Hopkins would be a pretty obvious choice, and I've been praising DeAndre Hopkins. I've been telling the Jets, trade for DeAndre Hopkins. This makes a lot of sense. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins to this group. I mean, this is, turns, turns into an excellent receiving group. It's the one that starts off. I mean, it's not a terrible group. I don't think you can have a Garrett Wilson in your lineup and have your receiving group be terrible, but you know, it's not spectacular. It's not a, it's not a special group. It's, you know, I think you could make a case it's an average group, but it's not great. You need one more receiver. What happens with Corey Davis? Now, Corey Davis, was, in the last couple of years, he's been a disappointment, and let's be honest. If he gets back to being Tennessee Corey Davis, that's a pretty good second banana. You know, that's a, that's like that's a guy who kind of slides in there, and you've got guys, you've got diverse skill sets, you've got a little bit of everything, but that's requiring Corey Davis to turn back the clock two, three years. And I don't know if he's going to do that. I don't know if you could trust Corey Davis to stay healthy at this point. I do think they got to keep Corey Davis unless they make another addition, though. And I think what could end up happening is Corey Davis could find himself in the situation Jamison Crowder was in a couple of years ago with the Jets, where after the draft, the Jets had drafted Elijah Moore. Um, and essentially they went to Crowder and this is, this is a tough spot for a player. And this happens from time to time with players. They went to Crowder and say, take a pay cut or we're going to cut you. And Crowder took the pay cut because by that point, nobody really had cap space left. You know, if, if they had come to Crowder in March and said, take a pay cut or we'll cut you, he would have said, cut me because there would have been some team out there with cap space that needed a slot receiver that would have gone out and paid him. But by the time the we get to May June, there aren't many teams with cap space, so you're in. It's a tough spot for a player, and I think if you handle it poorly and if you do it too frequently, you can develop a bad reputation. You can really uh, sour relationships with agents. So it's something you got to do judiciously. But the Jets could be in a spot where they ask Corey Davis to uh, take a pay cut. Now, the the thought was raised in the question: Could Corey Davis be a June post June first cut? And now, if you're not familiar with the NFL. If you cut a player after June 1st, it changes the cap ramifications and essentially the dead money. Now, dead money, if you're not familiar with the dead money, is what a player is charged against your cap when he's gone. So sometimes you cut a player and because of the way his contract is structured, he still counts against your cap. Now, if you cut a player after June 1st, there are rules that come into play that can stretch that hit. It can essentially can stretch the hit over two seasons. So half the dead money first year, half the dead money the second year. And if you're tied up against the cap, it can be, it can be really important to do. Because you can, you can, yes, you're pushing dead money to the future, but at least you lower the cap hit this year. 
Now, if you look at the way Corey Davis' contract is structured currently, the Jets don't really need to do that because there's not much dead money if they cut Corey Davis. I think that with Davis, the issue is more that, you know, they need somebody to play receiver for this team. So I think that's where the issue is. I just don't know that they can do it. Um, I think it's I think it's a tough spot. I, I think that unless they add Hopkins, unless they add Smith and Jigba, they probably have to keep Davis. But maybe they can get him to pay, take a pay cut. I think that that's, that's a possibility. Our next question. Um, I'm concerned about the offensive line, but how would you feel about them taking Jackson Smith and Jigba with the 13th pick? And I agree with that. I'm concerned with the line too, but I keep coming back to this. You know, the draft's a long-term proposition. You can't worry about this year's needs. And I understand the Jets. I don't even know if the Jets are in win-now mode at this point because they've really added nobody outside of Aaron Rodgers. They haven't even added Aaron Rodgers yet. So I've been saying all offseason the Jets are in win-now mode. I don't know if they're really in win-now mode. They haven't really... I, mean, I know they've tried to add big name players. I know they've tried to add some pretty some pretty expensive players this offseason, but they haven't been able to. And we could debate, you know, we could talk about whether or not it's their fault. I mean, for some of these, it's tough to blame them. You know, I, I can't really get on them for not giving Odell Beckham Jr. eighteen million dollars, but nevertheless, you know, they they haven't added these players. So I, I, I tend to be on the side of you're trying to find long term players for your team. I think Jackson Smith the Jigba is worth the thirteenth pick. You know, I think, yeah, you have offensive line issues. I think you've got to be concerned with that. In an ideal world, maybe you could get an offensive lineman somewhere, whether it's in the draft or free agency, but you got to think who's going to be with my team long-term. And beyond that, as I just mentioned, you've got some issues at receiver too. You put Smith and Jigba on this team, and then suddenly Lazard slides to the third role, which I think suits him better. I think he's more of a role player than he is a primary target. Hardman's really a depth player, I think. He, could, he adds a dimension with his ability, his speed and space, his ability as a secondary deep threat. But I think he slide, I think everybody slides into place. And I think suddenly this receiving group looks pretty good. So I, can't, I couldn't complain if they did that. I think, I, I think it's, something's going to have to be unaddressed. It's either going to be the offensive line or it's going to be receiver. I think you can't address everything. So if you prioritize receiver, I mean, I've got concerns about where Aaron Rodgers is going to end up uh, if without better players on the offensive line. But... You also have to deal with receiver, and you also have to think about about the long term. And a receiving core with these two young Ohio State prospects—I mean, that's a heck of a—that's a heck of a start for the Jets as they build this re- this group of receivers for the next, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine years. Now, here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we'll turn our attention to that offensive line. There are issues, and we'll discuss them. Continuing this Wednesday mailbag edition of Locked On Jets. Today's episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. We're talking NFL draft. It's Oh my goodness, it's only about a week away. But you know what else is here? Major League Baseball, the 2023 season is underway. That means grand slams. It means no hitters. It means double plays. They're all back. And there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers get up can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Place your first bet and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Thank you for making Lockdown Jets your first listen every day. We continue with our weekly mailbag show. Our next question comes from, from Chris. My question today is that I'm wondering if you think the Jets have come up with a new offensive strategy this year, and maybe they will just skip having a center. It seems like an odd way to go, but maybe they'll just leave the ball on the line of scrimmage and Aaron Rodgers will pick it up and scamper back a few steps. I remain skeptical this team is just a quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl. and It's a bit concerning now that we're in late April and have so many holes, especially on the offensive line. 
I think Chris is not happy with the offensive line right now. I think he's a little upset with the with the, with the state of the line, and it's tough to blame him. I, I've been saying this over and over. Aaron Rodgers is 40. He's not a young guy anymore. He's not a guy who... He's not Joe Flacco. I mean, he's got more mobility. He's not a statue back there, but he's not the guy who used to be able to move with ease. You know, maybe he was never a big rushing threat, but he was always a guy. And I always say, one of the things that I always thought was so special about Aaron Rodgers, his ability to evade pressure, keep his eyes down the field, and just throw a rocket with pinpoint accuracy on the run. It was special. And now we're, we're, we're with late career Aaron Rodgers. He can do it, but he can't do it as often. And you got to protect him. And the other thing you got to remember Aaron Rodgers has had some very, very good offensive linemen blocking for him during his career, first of which was David Bakhtiari, who's been a, an outstanding left tackle in this league for a long time. And, you know, I my guess is that what the center what's going to happen at the center position is that they'll they'll take one of two players. You know, you've got uh, John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota. There's the, the Wisconsin offensive linemen, the guys who are viewed as day two picks. And I feel like if that doesn't work out, then maybe after the draft, you turn to Ben Jones with the Titans, who would not be my pick because I, I don't like 34 years old and and uh, coming off multiple concussions. I think that's a scary combo. There's also our man Connor McGovern out there, and maybe maybe common sense will finally prevail. These two sides who, you know, these two sides who just seem to want to get away from each other for whatever reason, maybe they'll realize they need each other. That's my guess at center. Now, as I, I said in the first segment, I mean, you're going to have to figure out what the plan is whether you, you can only address one in the first round. You can only address wide receiver or offensive line. And maybe uh, maybe address defensive tackle, because that's also a hole. So I think you're right. I mean, I think you talk about the holes that are there, and I go back to the offseason. I mean, the Jets have been in on big names. They apparently made the biggest offer for Fletcher Cox. You know, they made an offer for a center early in the game, you know, San Francisco center. They made big offer for Orlando Brown. They were in on Odell Beckham Jr. They did not make the high offer there, but they certainly were in on Odell Beckham Jr. They were in on Calais Campbell. They struck out on a lot of guys, and you know that that I think that that makes this whole situation tough. I think I'm not saying they would have gotten all those guys. If you got a couple of those guys and you had Aaron Rodgers, then as much as I'm a skeptic about this approach, I, I could begin to see the path forward. But I think it's a tough spot for the Jets. I think that you know this offseason's not gone exactly how they planned it out. So I don't know, and I think they definitely you know, they need to figure out a way to address the offensive line. Maybe it's not through the draft. Maybe it's through. Um, Maybe it's through some late free agent signings, but I think this group that they've got right now, it's not not good enough at the moment on the offensive line. Next question, do the Titans Aaron Rodgers trade rumors hold any water to you? I, I think that the longer this goes on, the higher the odds are something goes wrong for the Jets and the Rodgers trade. So I think, you know, the fact that it's dragged out this long, it's created an opportunity for another team to jump in. But... I need more before I'm ready to say that the Jets are not going to get Aaron Rodgers. I still think that's far and away the most likely scenario. And I go back to some basic things. You know, first of all, we don't know how interested the Titans are right now, but they seem like a team that's kind of resetting. So maybe a year ago they'd be a logical fit for Rodgers. I don't know that they're a super logical fit right now for for what from what I know about them. Uh, beyond that, I mean, the Jets have really laid out the red carpet for Rodgers. I mean, again, they've hired, and maybe this wasn't the whole, I'm not saying this was the whole reason I think that the tight relationship with Robert Sala factored into this, but the Jets hired Nathaniel Hackett, who was Rodgers' preferred offensive coordinator. Again, the pre-existing relationship with Sala, I think that they're tight. I think that that was probably the bigger reason, but I think the way they sold it to Woody Johnson was, hey, this guy knows Aaron Rodgers. I, I think that's what they were thinking out there uh, with that hire, and 
beyond that, I mean, the Jets have signed Lazard. And they tried to sign Beckham, who, who Rodgers wanted. They failed there. I don't know if it's a failure not giving Odell Beckham $15 million guaranteed. But, you know, they could sign other guys Rodgers wants. I mean, the Jets have kind of said to, said to Rodgers, we want you. We'll do anything we can to, to make you happy. So I think from that standpoint, it's probably still the most likely scenario. I, I, don't, I don't think it's particularly close. I mean, there are going to be rumors out there. There are going to be teams that will check in doing their due diligence. But at this point in time, I, I don't think it's necessarily – a situation where anybody should be worried if you want Aaron Rodgers. I think that ultimately it's very likely that, that Rodgers is going to be a jet. And until we get, until there's more to it than just some team reached out. I, I, I think that it's difficult to get too crazy about this stuff. Next question. Would you give green Bay a first round pick if they would eat around $30 million as Rodgers' contract? And that's the, that's the number I've laid out a lot Rodgers has a $60 million contract for 2023, and I've said that to be a good deal for the Jets, I think it would have to be around $30 million. I would not give up a first-round pick, though, for a couple of reasons. First of all, first-round pick is a lot to give up for a one- to two-year rental under any circumstance. I mean, I feel like to justify that, you'd have to win the Super Bowl, and it's going to be tough to do. And you know, when I look at this, what I say is, you know, you only get one opportunity each year to add a first-round talent. And a first-round talent, a first-round pick's valuable because you can add a premium player at a discount contract for four years, and you only get one of those chances a year. So to give it away for a player, no matter how iconic he is for a one-year contract, I think that'd be tough to do. Now, if Green Bay's taking on $30 million, I'd be willing to give up something of value. But the other aspect of this is, I know what we just said about Tennessee, but there's not a lot behind that Tennessee rumor. There, you know, there was the rumor about San Francisco a few weeks ago, but you have to consider supply and demand. There's not a demand for Rodgers right now. Nobody else is demanding him. So if, uh, if I'm Joe Douglas and I'm Woody, well, you know, I don't want to say I'm Woody Johnson. I don't want to be Woody Johnson. But if I'm Joe Douglas, I'm saying, well, wait a minute. Nobody else is bidding here. Why do I need to bid against myself? It doesn't make any sense. So I don't, I don't see why you have to give up a first-round pick to get Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Green Bay's got to get out of this contract. Green Bay wants Green Bay wants no part of him. You think Green Bay wants the circus that's going to be that's going to come if he shows up to training camp? The media is going to be all around questions about Jordan Love. The fans will be chanting for him. You know, fan favorite in Green Bay. Fans will all want him starting. The Packers want no part of that. It'd be a fiasco, and nobody else will take him. So this is it's funny because. I feel like one thing that's being lost is this is like a salary dump for Green Bay. They don't, they got to get rid of him. They can't bring him back at this point. If the Jets, if the Jets ever got into a situation where at 13, the quarterback that they wanted was there and they took him and they said to Green Bay, sorry, we're not taking Rodgers. Green Bay would be in so much trouble. And that's the thing that I think the Packers are missing. The Packers are the Jets stepping away from this deal, away from being in unbelievable trouble that they might not be able to get out of. So with all that in mind, I would not give up a first-round pick because I don't see any reason the Jets should. I don't think they need to. Now, head here on the Lockdown Jets podcast, we'll continue talking quarterbacks. We're going to turn our attention away from Aaron Rodgers, though. We're going to talk about quarterbacks on the rookie deal. Are they worth the hype? I'll tell you what I think continuing this Wednesday mailbag edition of the Lockdown Jets podcast. This is the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Wednesday mailbag show. Our next question, if we continue with our listener questions... Let's talk about team-building philosophies. I always hear pundits saying the smartest way to win a Super Bowl is with a quarterback on his rookie contract. In the last decade, only Mahomes has won it while on a rookie contract. Your team has to be ready to win when you draft the quarterback, and those teams typically do not have a high pick. 
Also, your quarterback has to take off running after he's drafted. To make it harder, the quarterbacks that do take off running usually get a new contract after the third year. I'm not saying it's impossible, and obviously you should draft the best quarterback prospect you can. It just does not seem like a high percentage play to win the whole thing. What do you think? I think the other team you'd have to add into the mix is the Philadelphia Eagles because they had Carson Wentz. And although Carson Wentz was injured in 2017 in his second season for their playoff run, I think that kind of proves the point, the fact that they were able to build such a good team around their young quarterback that they were able to withstand an injury. The team was so was so deep that they could withstand an injury to their quarterback and still win the Super Bowl. But I feel like this is one of those things that's kind of taken on such a life of its own that it's become overstated. Now, the whole theory behind the rookie contract thing with the quarterbacks, it goes back to what I just said in the last segment. A first-round pick, if he's good, he gets a cheap contract relative to his level of play. So the thing behind the quarterback is you got to have a quarterback to win in the NFL. If you Most quarterbacks out there, I mean, a good quarterback is going to cost you at least $30 million a year. So if you get a quarterback who's worth, I don't know, a third of that or a quarter of that, then you essentially can fill it. You essentially use the rest of the cap space you're, you're saving. You can save you $20-25 million worth of extra cap space because usually a quarterback's going to a good quarterback's going to cost you much more than a rookie. You know, a, a veteran quarterback costs 20-25 million more than a rookie. So you get good quarterback play, but you also essentially get an extra 20-25 million to build up the rest of your team. That's the theory behind it. It's a good theory. I think we've reached a point where it's so it's stated so frequently as fact that. It's just become overrated. You can win without a quarterback on his rookie contract. So I think I think people view this as the magic touch, but it's not necessarily. That's just it's not easy to find a quarterback who's going to contribute right away. And I feel like if anything, the value of like that middle of the pack quarterback who doesn't cost quite as much money is kind of like been. Uh, is, I feel like that quarterback's become undervalued because you get a good quarterback and you put a good roster around him, you can make some noise in this league. So I think like you know the. Derek Carr is a good example, or a Kirk Cousins. And this was a Kirk Cousins was a guy I always thought was overrated, but I feel like Kirk Cousins has become so overrated that now he's kind of underrated. Where that that quarterback, I think, like people kind of scoff at it because they're like, "Oh, he's not a great quarterback. He's not going to the Hall of Fame." But you can win with that quarterback. You know, sometimes it's easier easier with some teams than others, but you can win games. And I, I feel like there's more there's more than one pathway to do this. And I feel like that this. This whole thing with the, the the rookie quarterback contract has become so embedded in NFL thinking that it's almost become counterproductive, and maybe maybe it's better to go in another direction now. You, you always, I always think you want to zig when other teams are zagging. If everybody's obsessed with finding the, the rookie quarterback, maybe the middle-of-the-pack veteran quarterback is a market inefficiency. Anyway, just some food for thought. Next question. Knowing the financial implications of trading for Rodgers, do you think it's possible that the front office has deals lined up for McGovern, Quinn and Williams, etc., waiting to execute post-trade? Or is it more likely that they're just prioritizing Rodgers over all of those players and positions? Or waiting to see what happens in the draft? It's always hard to tell that because the Joe Douglas front office has generally held their cards close to their chest. I don't know that I agree that the Douglas front office has held their cards close to the chest. Um, you know, Zach Wilson, everybody knew they were drafting him a year ago. I mean, they, maybe it did, it did not happen a few, until a few days before the draft. But, like, the last three to four days before the draft, like, everybody knew the Jets were going to take Sauce Gardner by the time the, the draft came along. They kept it under wraps for a couple months, but there was all, all the buzz in the world was going to sauce of this time last year, or maybe a few days later. Um, I think that so the implications of the Rodgers trade, the Jets really only need fifteen million dollars of cap space to make this deal work because although he has a sixty million dollar contract, the Jets only get charged fifteen of that this year, forty five of that goes into the future. So I, I don't think that that's what I don't think that's what's going on now. The McGovern thing, I just talked about that. I, I think what's happening at center is the Jets are either going to draft. Jets have their eyes on. 
this is my guess this is not insider information don't write that you know john has insider info about this this is my guess educated guess jets are probably eyeing one of the two center prospects on day two and if they don't get either then maybe they they wait till after the draft to sign either mcgovern or jones and I think that, you know, they're a pretty good bet they're both going to be there. We're only a week away, so those guys might, might wait till after the draft and see which teams don't get a center because maybe that will increase their market value. So I think there's something to that. And I think as far as Quinn and Williams goes, he I think, I think that's one the Jets have just put off because Quinn and Williams is going to be here. So I think that they're focused on things that are more time-sensitive. I don't think they view the Quinn and Williams thing as particularly time-sensitive, even though he's, he's uh, sitting out the, the off-season program. I think that they, they say, you know what, he's going to be here. It's not a big deal. He's missing the workouts. We'll deal with that in the summer. But, he, you know, he's, he's already under contract next year, so it's not that big. That's my view. Is I think they, they view it as not that big of a deal. Our last question from JJ in South Jersey. I recall there being a discussion of waiting until the first round of the draft to execute a trade because then you only have to trade future picks two years out. What are the chances the Jets pursued Lamar Jackson after day one of the draft, knowing they would only have to give up 24 and 25 first-round picks, which hopefully would be late first-round picks? I personally prefer Lamar given his age, which he, and I'm growing with hate each day at the idea of getting Rodgers for only one to two years maximum. Unless something changes, there's no chance they're getting Lamar Jackson. There's no chance they're going to... I mean, Joe Douglas was asked point blank. He said, we're not doing it. So... Unless something dramatically changes, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm with you, JJ. I mean, that's my view. I, I 26 versus 39. I'd take 26 at quarterback. I don't love the idea of the one to two year uh, rental of Rodgers, but that's where the Jets are going. I mean, I, all signs, all offseason, the, the signs have pointed not just to Aaron Rodgers being the first option, but really Aaron Rodgers being the only option the Jets are interested in. So I'm sorry to give you bad news, JJ, but. I don't think Lamar's coming to the Jets. I don't think the Jets are interested. That's all for today's episode. This has been the Lockdown Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. Please give the show a five-star review if you're listening on a podcast source. Big thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.